Well, here we go. Are you guys ready? Yeah, yeah, good. Some of you are. Some of you are going, yeah, oh, still trying to get going this morning. Um, if you came in and did not get, uh, if you're a fill-in-the-blank type person, you learn better that way. There are uh, fill-in-the-blanks that you can get. If you need a pen to fill them out or if you need one of these, just put your hand up and one of the ushers will get to you quickly with whatever you need as far as that's concerned. Today we are up, right up here. Today we are continuing in our series, uh, 40 plus days of prayer adventure. And uh, I was thinking about this and I thought, you know, I believe, I really believe that the most unexplored area of a Christian's life is prayer. And yet, it's the most powerful weapon, the Bible tells us, in the Christian's life. Prayer is the most untaught truth in the Christian life. I, I, as I look at what pastors teach throughout a year and how much time they spend on prayer, and I think to myself, wow, and yet it's the most untaught for being the most effective strategy in how to maintain the Christian life. And prayer is the most neglected responsibility in the Christian's life, and yet it's the most hell-feared weapon in the Christian's life. So, the weapon that wins spiritual battles is prayer. The weapon that wins spiritual battles is prayer, which is why we need to be praying and so willing to pray. If you're filling the blanks, and that's your first fill in the blank right there. You got it? I think we tend to downplay this. We tend to downplay how important it is. We get so busy, we think that I don't have time for that. I've got a lot of things going on. And, and, um, and so we kind of, it's so easy for us to take that and put it in the back seat somewhere or kind of put it to the side somewhere. I was thinking about that this past week and I, and I remembered a cartoon that I'd seen years ago about a king going into battle and, um, and it's the time of, of uh, swords and, and spears and stuff like that. And, he, and, and his comment is, he's got a crazy salesman wanting to sell him something. Look at this. He's got a crazy salesman wanting to sell him a Gatling gun <laughs> or a machine gun. And he's sitting there going, I ain't got time to talk to a crazy salesman. I got a battle to fight. And I think so often that's us in the Christian life. We're so busy fighting our battles, we are forgetting the best and greatest weapon that we have that God's given to us, and that weapon is prayer. So today we're going to look at the role that prayer plays in that battle, because you are in it, like it or not. You're in it whether you know it or not. You're in it whether you are willing to be or whether you're unwilling. It does not matter. You are in that battle, in that spiritual battle. And prayer plays a huge part in it. If you are trying to engage in that battle and you are not praying, friend, you are going in without the weapons that God's given you and wants you to use in that battle. So we're going to look at some scripture today. It comes from Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to begin in verse number 10 and go to verse number 18. I'm reading right now from the New Living Translation. And uh, so you can read along with me. If you have a different translation, you'll see it's very close. Ephesians 6, verse number 10. Paul writes, and this is, this is a letter that he's writing to the Christians in Ephesus. And he says, a final word. So this is kind of the end, getting toward the end of his letter. Be strong with the Lord's mighty power. Whose mighty power? The Lord's mighty power. Be strong with the Lord's mighty power. Put on all of God's armor 
so that you'll be able to stand firm against all strategies and tricks of the devil. For we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against those mighty powers of darkness who rule this world, and against wicked spirits in the heavenly realms. Use every piece of God's armor to resist the enemy in the time of evil, so that after the battle you will be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the sturdy belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news, so that you will be fully prepared. In every battle, you will need faith as your shield to stop the fiery arrows aimed at you by Satan. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray at all times and on every occasion in the power of the Holy Spirit. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So if we stop and we look at that piece of Scripture that we just read, I think we, will, we can begin to see four different battle strategies that Paul is laying out for the Christian, for the believer in Christ, that, they, that we can follow in order to win the battle. So we're going to look at those this morning. The winning strategy, the first winning strategy, number one, is to know your enemy. So uh, Paul is making it clear who the enemy is here. Too often I have seen Christians fighting against other people. Uh, they're upset at somebody else, somebody else who's doing something to them. And they're very upset at the person and, and often even, sometimes even other Christians because of the circumstances the other person has brought into their life or the things that that person has done to them and what they have actually failed to realize is who the adversary really is. Here's an interesting thought. Did you know that the devil can actually use Christians? Yes, he can. Yes, he can. I would bet everything I have that he's actually used you at times. Some, most of the times completely unwittingly, right? We don't even realize it. But he stirs up something inside of us and all of a sudden we start to respond in a particular way and he's actually using us. Ah, here's what's important. As believers, we have, to, we have to continue to remind ourselves who is behind the battle, who is behind the person, not the person themselves. So Paul is saying, man, you have to know your enemy. You have to know who the adversary is. One of the most... Um, famous books on warfare is called The Art of War by Sun Tzu. And he says this. And by the way, this is required reading of anybody in the College of War, anybody who's involved in military at all. And in fact, a lot of companies will have their people read it just so that they can uh, understand better how to do battle with as far as competition goes and everything else. So he says about this, he says, you need to know your enemy before going into battle. For if you know your enemy and know yourself, he wrote, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. But, he warned, if you know yourself but not the enemy, for every victory gained you will also suffer defeat. Isn't that interesting? 
This is what he's observed in all kinds of warfare is, so it's important for us to know the enemy. The Bible describes our enemy to us. Here's what Jesus said in John 8, 44. He called out who the enemy is, and he said, here's, here's the thing about him. He's a murderer. He's a liar. He's the father of lies. So he's the one behind every lie. He's the one who creates it. He wants to create a misconception. He wants to create division. He wants to steal and kill. This is the enemy that we're up against from a spiritual perspective. Peter calls him in 1 Peter 5, 8, a roaring lion. He's looking to who he can devour. And yet God says, we can, you can win over that enemy, but you need to understand that the battle is not against people. It is against the enemy, the one who wants to drive those people. So we need to be paying attention who the source of the schemes against us are. Verse 12 said, for we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Let's put them where? In the spiritual realm, doesn't it? something that we cannot see, against those mighty powers of darkness who rule this world. Oh, there's an interesting thought. So when Adam sinned and God had told Adam, you have dominion over the world. I want you to rule the world. When he sinned and stepped out of, out from underneath God's protection, he essentially handed that dominion over to the enemy, over to Satan who was the one who caused him to do that, right? And so now he is the ruler of this world who we are in battle against, and he does not want us to live for Christ. He does not want us to have a great relationship with God, which is what God created us for. So now we actually have to do battle against him. The great news is we get to win when we follow God's outline in how to do that. Did you know that no one believes in prayer more than the devil? He doesn't practice it, but he's hurt by it. It affects him. It impacts him when we apply it. That's why the weapon that wins spiritual battles is prayer. So strategy number one is we need to understand who our enemy really is and pay attention to that. Sometimes I, I, uh, I have a real, this is real hard to do sometimes, isn't it? Because it's so easy to see the person. It's so easy to see the one who's wounding us and, and to be so angry at them. And to, to be able to step back and say, Lord, would you let me see this from your perspective? Because right now, right now, that person really, I want to get them back. I want to I win against what they're doing to me, how they've hurt me. And instead of saying, Lord, would you show me how to win the victory here so you get glory in it and I actually, you can actually use it for my good as well. I want to know my enemy, Lord, so that we, you, Lord, can direct me in how to defeat him. So the second strategy is this. We need to plug into our power source. We need to plug into our power source. Verse 10 and 11 says, be strong with the Lord's mighty power. So the assumption here is not that you're going to do this on our own. I remember talking to a guy one time who told me, I'm not worried about the devil. I can whip the devil. And I thought, whoa, dude, you are already whipped. That's exactly what he wants you to think, that you can do that on your own. You are in deep weeds, man. You are in trouble. We have to be strong with the Lord's mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand against all strategies and tricks of the devil. So to fight the battles we will be engaged in, we need to be plugged into the Lord's power, which is the Holy Spirit. 
So Jesus said, I am leaving, and you're going to be glad I did because I'm leaving the Holy Spirit. And the moment you accept what Jesus has done for you, the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit resides in us. We have to be willing to activate him. And we have to be willing to get out of the way and let him lead instead of trying to drive that ourselves, saying, Holy Spirit, I want your power source. I want you to lead. You must show me how to do this. We must have a power greater than our own, friends, to stand firm in the battle. And we access that power through prayer because the weapon, the weapon that wins spiritual battles is prayer. I love that Paul says, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm. Did you see that? That means he's saying you will be able to. You put on God's armor, you will be able to. Don't, worry, don't, don't be worrying about defeat. The enemy cannot defeat God. He will not. The end is already written. God already knows that. There is a certainty of outcome. He's saying here's what you need to do to enjoy the certainty of outcome. You need to put on all of God's armor. So how do we do that? And how do we begin to step into that? How, do we, how can we take a position of victory over this enemy who is bigger than us and wildier than us and stronger than us? How, how do we do that? We do that by operating under Jesus's authority. He gives us the authority and he provides the power. In Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus says, All power or all authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples. He's saying, and, and that word that the word that's translated power in this translation is also translated authority. In other translations, it's kind of a word that is a combination of the two. So all power and all authority is given to me. So Jesus is saying, listen, I have all that power. I, I own all that power. I have all that authority from God in heaven and on earth. So you, you and I, Go and make disciples. The inference is this. I'm giving you authority to act on my behalf. And I think one of the, uh, one of the, one of the best things I can think of to give that example is, uh, is, is you know, a policeman offers, operates under authority. Now, today is Halloween. Today is Halloween. And if Brian had come in a police uniform today, we'd all look at him and laugh, right? And if he said, he said, get up against the wall, we'd look at him and go, yeah, right. I'm get up against no wall. You're just acting like a policeman. But if my friend Dell, who is part of the Anacortes Police Department, if he walked in and you saw him in his uniform, you would know. He has the authority to do that. And when he stops traffic, guess what traffic does? It stops. Now, now I got to tell you, he didn't have a chance against my truck. If my truck kept going, I'd just make it just go clunk, 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 right over top of Odell. But you know what I do when he's out there in the street doing this? I stop. Why? He has the authority that's been given to him. And we respect that authority. So God is saying, I've got authority I've given to you. Until you act under that authority, you are allowing the enemy you know, if, if this traffic was supposed to stop and Dell didn't get out in the street and say, stop, it'd just keep on going. If he stood on the side of the street and said, hey, the mayor has told me I got the power to stop. You all ought to stop. We'd just keep rolling right on by. We'd pay no attention whatsoever. 
But when he steps into using that authority, and so the Holy Spirit tells you, I have given you the authority. You're operating underneath my banner. You have the authority and all power to step into that and for you to be able to do that. I'm transferring the authority to you. We have to plug into that power source. And you're saying, Cliff, I don't know. I'm not even sure how to do that. It's all right. That's called prayer. You begin by having that communication with him saying, Lord, I don't think I'm using your authority right. I pray all the time. Lord, am I really using all the authority you've given me? Am I really accessing the power in the way that you want me to? Because I want to in this situation. I want to be able to represent you well in this situation. And let him speak to you. Let him direct you in doing that. It's a wonderful adventure. It's a growing process that we get the, the privilege of doing. So, we need to plug in the power source, and then we need to use our God-given defenses. That's winning strategy number three. Use your God-given defense. He said, put on all of God's armor. Much of the armor that we're going to look at is defensive. It's to protect us. There is only one little piece we're talking about that's both defensive and offensive, and, and we'll take a look at that in just a moment. So Paul, picture Paul, he is in prison he is probably attached to a Roman soldier. So he's looking at this Roman soldier in his getup, in his armor, and Paul is going, wow, that's a great picture of the armor that God gives us. So he begins to spin this together, showing us what our God-given defenses really are. So first he talks about those defensive ones. He says, put on the belt of truth. So the belt that they put on was a big, thick leather, uh, you could almost call it a girdle. It was a, and everything, it held the entire, all the rest of the armor together. It was the piece that was central, that was core to all of the armor that the Roman soldier would put on. Isn't it interesting that Paul then would say, put on the belt of truth. So what he's saying is truth is central. Truth is the integral part of everything that you're going to be involved in with your prayer life and with fighting this battle. It's the foundational part of the armor. It's what protects us from the father of lies, from Satan, is truth. He is the one who wants to perpetrate lies on you. So we begin to believe something. He tells us how lousy we are. He tells us how, how terrible we are. He tells us how we could never be forgiven. He tells us all these kinds of things that he wants to tell us that diminish who we are. And God says, that is a lie. And so I want to tell you the truth. Let me replace the lie with the truth. And that's a big part of, this, of our walk with the Lord. That's why Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except for me. He says, I am the truth. Guess what, folks? There is a truth that's absolute. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It isn't what you think or what I think. It's what Jesus knows and has spoken. It is his truth. The Bible says God's word is truth, and Jesus was the word made flesh. Isn't that a great picture? So he says, I'm going to give you the truth of it. And it, his truth, defeats Satan's lies. So when you begin to understand what lie you have been believing, you know, there was a time in my life when I went for years believing that, that I, no person could give me enough adulation. I just believed I wasn't wanted. I just did. And you couldn't convince me otherwise. You could tell me all, and I'd nod my head because I got it intellectually, but I didn't get it here. 
until, the, until finally I saw the lie the enemy was having me believe, that I wasn't wanted. Now, it's one thing to know the lie and to go, oh, wow, that's not the truth. But it's another thing to have the Holy Spirit say, let me tell you the truth. The truth is I created you. I created you for a relationship with me. That's how much I wanted you. I knit you together in your mother's womb. I arranged your DNA strands. That's who I am. I love you that much. I want you that much, and I want you to know that. Now, I've got to replace that lie with the truth. You see how that works? And I've got to identify the lie and say, oh, I believe the lie. God, forgive me for believing the enemy. That was a lie from him. That's, that's handcuffed me. That's kept me from understanding who I am in you. And so I need to replace that now with your truth so I can live in and underneath your truth. By the way, just a little aside, his truth is not always popular. You may not be the most popular kid on the block when you start really giving Jesus his truth. So use love, use grace in the process of doing that. And then he says to put on the breastplate of righteousness, or in the New Living Translation, the body armor is what it calls it. That's almost like that picture better. It's like the body armor, you know? And, and the body armor that the police use, that, that the, our, uh, our um, infantrymen use, is, is meant to protect the heart, the vital organs that that body armor is. Why? Because Satan loves to attack the heart, not, not the heart that beats, that pumps blood. The heart of us, when we, say, when we say that person's got a great heart, we aren't talking about, wow, watch the way that thing pumps blood, right? We're talking about their emotions. We're talking about their, their self-worth, their, their trust. And so God says, I'm putting on this breastplate of righteousness that will protect your heart. We cannot earn that breastplate of righteousness, that armor, body armor of righteousness. We can't earn that. God provides it for us. It's something Jesus has given us because he paid the price for our sins. So we went from unrighteous to righteous because he said, I paid the price. I've redeemed it. It's done. They get to put on now my body armor. They get to put on my breastplate of righteousness, which protects their heart because they're now righteous in me. Wow. I am Lord, really? Uh-huh. That's truth. That's truth because I've paid the price for you. So you need to see yourself in that way. The enemy is going to do everything he can to keep you from seeing yourself that way because you will begin to operate with new freedom, with new excitement, with new uh, devotion to God because when you understand what he's really done for you and how he really sees you, we can't help it. We cannot help it. The enemy does not want that, so he wants to convince you. But you're not really righteous. There's the battle. And then he says, you're putting on this breastplate of righteousness, this, this body armor, and then put on the shoes, the gospel of peace. Interesting. So the shoes that they wore were, were shoes that allowed them to, in, you know, to, to last longer, to give them good footing so they could stand firm in the battle. And, and, and it was important. Some of them had actually little spikes in the bottom of them. Others had the little ridges, whatever they could do to try to keep firm footing for the battle. And that's, I love the fact that Paul is looking at those shoes, those boots that this Roman soldier is wearing, and he's thinking, man, we need to have something like that. And it's peace. What peace? Peace of, I got peace, man. Peace, brother. Peace. No, no, no. The peace that passes understanding. 
the peace that can only come from God that passes is beyond human understanding. Philippians 6, excuse me, Philippians 4 verse 6 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for what He has done. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace, watch this, His peace will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Why? Because my heart and my mind need to be guarded. Because where the enemy wants to attack you is in your heart, your feelings, your emotions, and in your mind, your thinking process. And so he's saying, I'll guard those things with a peace that passes understanding. Listen, if you don't have that peace, if you're engaged in stuff in your life right now and you're saying, God, I need peace and I don't feel peace, the question I would ask is, have you asked him? Have you really asked him, Lord, I need your peace in this situation and circumstances? Would you show me and would you give me your peace? And if you have asked him and you've really been sincere about it and you still don't feel like you've received any of that, then I would ask you this question. What has he last asked you to do? And have you been obedient to it? And I share that with you because of this. Because I was in a time in my life where I had a big decision to make. And I had been praying for this. I'd been really praying for it. And I wanted God to lead me and direct me in it. So I was praying for him and I was praying for him to do that. And he began to make clear for me, began to answer my prayers and showing me where he wanted me to go. And I couldn't get peace with it. And so I, I kept thinking, well, he, he, am I sure? I, I don't know. I don't have peace. And I remember finally crying out to God and saying, Lord, Lord, I think you're telling me to do this. And in fact, you have demonstrated it four different times, but I still don't have peace. Why don't I have peace? And, and when I just, when I, when I prayed that and asked him that question, he did something for me that, that does not happen to me very often. I, you know, I mentioned uh, last week that some people, when they pray, God gives them pictures of different things and all that, and sometimes he gives them different words. I don't normally get pictures, but in this case, he gave me a picture, and it was startling. It was, it was suddenly he showed me Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane on his face, on the ground, praying and saying, Father, take this cup from me. We talked about this last week, but not my will, thy will be done. He prayed that three different times intensely. And the Bible tells us sweating great drops of blood. He was so anxious. His sweat was like drops of blood. There's actually a, a physical condition that causes that. And at the third time he had prayed it, he, it's like he got up and went, okay. And, and then he was able to go forward and say, I've given up my will. I've taken on God's will. And the Holy Spirit said to me, Cliff, does that look like peace? When I saw this picture of Jesus, and does that look like peace? And I, and I said, no, Lord, it doesn't. And he said, that's right. Obedience comes before peace. And I went, oh, wow. The hair stood up in my arms, man. And he said, well, you can choose. It's your choice now. You know you can either be obedient or not. And as soon as I said, well, Lord, I'm, I'm going to be obedient, and I stepped into that, guess what followed? Peace. Peace followed. 
And then he says, use the shield of faith. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave and strong. The shields they had, I love this picture, the shields they had were these big shields. You've seen them uh, on, on some of the movies or whatever, and, and, and they, they were almost part of them because they, they held on to them. Now, these are the foot soldiers. Some of the, the other guys didn't have the same kind of shield, but these are the big shields, and you'd watch them come running together, and they would all put them together, right, and make a big, where it could not, and guess what they got, guess what they did right behind that? They knelt down, man. Now the arrows can't get us. Those shields were usually wrapped in leather, and they would soak them before they'd go into battle, so that when the flaming arrows and the darts that, that, that it would shoot at them would come, they would hit that shield, and it would extinguish the fire in them. So that was the, that was the best ones. I love the idea of what they're doing behind those shields. It's a picture of prayer, is it not? They're on their knees behind the shield of faith. And they're saying, God, protect me from what's coming at me. Oh, faith gives us confidence that ultimate victory is ours. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about, Alex. Oh, man. And then, <laughs> and then Paul writes, put on the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. Protect the head. Protect the mind. We talked about the mind earlier. The, the helmet protects our mind from doubting God's saving work and from directing us. Psalm 26.2 says, examine me, O Jehovah, and prove me. Purify my heart and my mind. Isaiah 26.3 says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So God's telling us, you do not have the capability of taking on the devil by yourself. But when you put on my armor, you don't have just the ability to take him on. You have the ability to win against him. The weapon that wins spiritual warfare is prayer spiritual battles. So put on that. And, and Paul writes to the Christians in Rome and says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So Paul is saying, this isn't something you're going to be able to do one time. Go, okay, God, I'm renewing my mind. Now give me this great peace and I'm good, I'm good to go till, till I go to eternity. Uh-uh. This idea of renewing your mind is it's an ongoing process. We keep coming back and saying, Lord, Lord, show me. Lord, protect my mind. So that's the helmet of salvation. And then he says, use the word of God to win. Use the word of God to win. That's winning strategy number four is to use the word of God. He says the sword of the spirit is the word of God. Here's the only weapon that is both defensive and offensive. You got a sword, you're parrying, you know, you're parrying, you're, you're parrying, you're thrusting, you're, it is, it's a weapon that does both. And it's only effective if we use it. And Paul is saying, it, the word of God is that sword for you. That means if you do not know the word of God, you got no sword. Yeah, real bummer, real bummer. But you can solve that. You can solve that by saying, Lord, show me your word. Lord, let me get into your word. To your word. Jesus used the word of God when he attacked Jesus in the, out in the desert, man, when Jesus was being tempted by the enemy. What did he use to fight it? The word of God, the word of God, every step of the way. 
Hebrews 4.12 says, The Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It cuts all the way through to where soul and spirit meet, to where joints and marrow come together. It judges the desires and thoughts of the heart. So how do we put on this armor? How do we put it on? Through prayer. Through prayer. Prayer is like air support. You know, I, I love the way that the message uh, describes Ephesians six eighteen. It says, in the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. That verse is a continuation of the thought of putting on all of the armor. Paul's given instructions for how to put on the armor of God. And he's saying prayer is how we put on the armor and we activate our sword, which is God's word. We live a life of daily prayer. It's a daily battle. And so we put on the armor daily. Prayer is the way to put your armor on. It's to say, Lord, I want to put on the armor. And that's why the weapon that wins spiritual battles is prayer. Prayer is the one that does that. In the first week of our series, we, I gave you an example of praying some scripture. I said, well, you can just often open up the Bible and just start praying some scripture. And last week, we used the Lord's Prayer as an, as an example of using the model from which we could pray. And just to extend our prayers to God in that way. We can also do this when we feel like we are coming up against a spiritual battle. When we feel like, oh man, I don't know what is going on. But I am so, I'm feeling so down. Or I'm feeling so depressed. Or I'm feeling so, what, whatever it is. And we begin to say, Lord, show me. And it, when we can see that it's a spiritual battle that's dealing. Or someone has really, really hurt you. Really throwing you off kilter. For you to stop and say, okay, Lord, I need to see this from your perspective. I need to see this not as the person, because my battle's not against flesh and blood, although I'd like to bloody their nose. It's not against that flesh and blood. It's against the principalities and powers of darkness. So would you show me how that looks? Would you, now you have a chance to put this armor on in prayer. So I'd love to give you an example of that today as we close. So let's pray, and we will pray putting on the armor. So I'll just give you an example of how that works, okay? Lord, thank you so much for your word. For the expression of your word, which is the truth. And so, Lord, we want to put on the belt of truth right now. I, I just put on the belt of truth. I, I choose a lifestyle of honesty and integrity. I ask you to show me how to use the truth and use it effectively. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to show me where I'm believing lies or where I'm believing it's a person instead of, instead of what's really behind it. Let me see the truth from your perspective. And Lord, if I am believing a lie right now, would you show me what that is in this circumstance or this situation? Whatever it is, Lord, that I'm facing, show me if I'm believing a lie. And then allow me to just confess that and ask you to replace it with your truth. So that, God, I can get back on the track that you want me to be. And Lord, I want, want to thank you. I want to thank and praise you for the breastplate of righteousness or for the, the body armor of righteousness. What an amazing thing you've given us. Righteousness, purity that you have given us. Holiness that you have given us because of what you have done for us. So Lord, I'm praying that that would defend us against the assaults of the enemy. I pray that you would overwhelm us with gratitude that you see me as sinless. 
Thank you, Lord, for redeeming me, for actually making me righteous. That's so hard for me to get my head around. So all I can do is say, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus, because you paid the price for all of those things. And Lord, I'm asking that right now I'm strapping on, I just mentally want to strap on the shoes, the gospel of peace. And your gospel, when we understand the good news, it brings so much peace to us, Lord, because we know what the end is. And so we're, I'm asking for that peace that actually does pass human understanding. And I'm asking for you to give that to me in a way, Lord, that is so evident that as people around look at me and my life, they would ask me, how come you can deal with this? How come you can handle this? How come you don't seem uptight? And I'd be able to say, because I've got what Jesus has given me, which is a peace that I don't even understand, that passes understanding, that's guarding my heart and my mind. And so, Lord, as I think of that, I think of picking up the shield of faith. And, and asking that, that my faith would actually be able to quench the darts of the enemy. That, that my faith in you would actually be able to see where the battle is coming from and to be able to be victorious in the battle because of what you've already done for me. So let me have that faith, Lord, and that certainty that I can operate under your authority with your power. And that it's not about me, it's about what you have given me. And Father, as I think of that, I've got to put on the helmet of salvation. So that my mind keeps being transformed, keeps being renewed in you. And that the enemy doesn't get into my head and play games with my head and get me thinking the wrong thoughts or heading the wrong direction. Lord, I'm just coming to you and saying, would you impact my mind? Give me your thoughts, what you want me to see in people, what you want me to see in possibilities, what you want me to see in the way I live my life. Protect my mind, Lord. Don't let it slide down in the wrong areas, I pray. And Lord, I want to pick up the sword of the Spirit because that's what um, gives us your truth. That's what gives us the ability to defeat the enemy. So I just pray that as, I, as we today have picked up your word, that you would just bring that deep into our hearts, that we would own that so that we would have that to be able to deal with, to, to defeat the enemy in the way you want us to. I want to walk in step with you throughout this day in everything I do. Direct our, my thoughts, Lord, actions, words, to be yours. And I ask that you would do that for each of us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. James 4, verse 7 says, Therefore, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Hmm. The weapon that win spiritual battles is prayer. Last week we closed with James 5, 16b. We said the prayer of a righteous person availeth much, or it, or it actually does a lot of good. It has, it has power. It has great power as it is working. And we said, guess what? You are righteous. God sees you that way because of what he's done for you. If you've accepted Jesus, so I'm asking you as, and us as a family, we got to get to praying and let God move the mountains. Amen. Would you stand to receive his blessing and we'll continue to worship him. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you to give you his peace and his strength. 
so that you could put on the whole armor of God and defeat the enemy's intentions for you in the name and in the power and in the authority of Jesus Christ. And all the people said, amen. Amen. Let's keep worshiping the Lord.